is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, host Brandon. Uh, Matt lost special time. Matt, uh, welcome back. It's been a little bit. Uh, you did holiday. You're back. More managerial changes in your world between Tottenham and Chelsea. It just you can't catch a break at the end of this season. Yeah, just like I was saying to you just before we started, I, as we talk today, there's a chance that uh, uh, Tottenham are going to sack their interim manager, Christian Cellini, which would make it seven managers for me between Chelsea and Tottenham this season. Safe to say that is completely unprecedented uh, in my world, covering those two clubs at the same time. So it's unbelievable. It's really, really unbelievable. Oh, for sure. We were kind of yeah laughing beforehand and when when that many changes have been happening, fifty percent are between two clubs. You clearly know that these clubs are are trying to find their north star. Not many things are going right. I mean, no club wants to have this many managers being sacked, especially bowling and Bali. They're they're trying to get their feet underneath them too, and it's just been a bit of a I don't know tough season, right? I mean, I guess they're trying to make all the changes they possibly can in search for that stability that I think they would prefer. Yeah, look, I think they'd be honest enough to admit that there's been a few missteps and a few mistakes. Um, but it's, yeah, they're, they're trying to get themselves into a position now where it offers them some stability. I think that, the, I think I said this on the last pod, that the, the next appointment for them, they know it's absolutely enormous um, and it needs to be one that's not going to change for a while and that they get some stability and some structure at the club. So... That is what they're aiming for right now. For sure. Well, obviously, in this one, we'll touch a lot on the, the managerial candidates. Uh, it seems like uh, Mauricio Pochettino become the front runner, which obviously I think you're pretty uh, excited about because you know him from so well. You tweeted, he improves young players, overseen a squad overhaul before, manages upwards very well, won trophies, Premier League and Champions League experience, managed through a stadium rebuild. Interesting and charismatic. I uh, just said he ticks every box you could think of, uh, but he's not the only one. So let's pause on Poch. You said that they've done some due diligence with Celtic. Uh, I think a Dutch manager in there as well. And um, candidates have pulled out. It's It's been a busy five, six days. Yeah, I mean, if we go back to this time last week, um, I think, I can't remember which day it was I first reported that Luis Enrique was out of the race. I can't remember whether that was maybe Tuesday. I'm, I'm struggling with my days with all the managerial changes. I think maybe Tuesday last week I reported that Luis Enrique was out of the race. And that was the point at which things started to really narrow. So as last week when we went through Enrique dropping out, Chelsea deciding that they'd had quite a lot of talks with Enrique, Chelsea deciding he wasn't quite right for them. It left us with thinking probably at that stage that, that Nagelsmann was the favourite. And yet by Thursday, uh well, actually, on Wednesday, I first found out that there'd been contact made with Pochettino, along with Nagelsmann and others. I think we always expected that, so that that wasn't huge news, in fairness. Um, but then Thursday was the day when we started to really sort of hear of a warmth growing towards Pochettino. I ended up some, writing something on Friday morning that, and that there was just a sense in that morning that Pochettino was coming up on the on the outside. And obviously, by that evening. Um, Nagelsmann had dropped out. Now, two sides have two different stories on this. Chelsea have their side. Nagelsmann's people have their side. To be honest, it doesn't really matter. He dropped out. Whether he dropped out, whether the club dropped him out, whether it was a sort of mutual dropping out, 
doesn't really matter. He dropped out, which left us basically um, with Pochettino, overwhelming favourite. Um, it emerged that there's interest in Vincent Company. I think that's probably more something that's targeted down to the future, that maybe they see him as being someone they need to sort of explore and look at because one day in the future there's there's a possibility that he's going to be a really top coach. I'd, I'd, I'd have been very surprised if that was thinking that they were realistically going to appoint him this time around. And then there's this mystery third place. I kind of take that third place as being a bit of an open spot, if I'm honest with you. They've been very thorough due diligence on people like Arnie Slotopfein or Ange Postacoglu at Celtic, Ruben Amarim, who we know at Sporting Lisbon. And I think that's a bit of an open spot for the element of change, whether anything were to change. But as we sit here now on Monday afternoon, uh, I would be extremely surprised if it wasn't Maurizio Pochettino now. He's, he's really, really accelerated into front runner, number one target. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's his to... It's his to basically turn down, I think. So some extra pressure was kind of added last week too. Tiago Silva had some pretty direct quotes for the club and leadership. Didier Drogba uh, had, you know, says he doesn't recognize his club anymore. Um, they're starting, it's start, I don't know. They're starting to take a lot of, um, people are starting to be, I think, speak very open and freely. And I think they know that we're in this point where like, if they're gun, I'm sure they made their voices known on the inside of the club, but now they're making them known outside the club. And I think it kind of caught me off guard a little bit. At least I was surprised. But like Tiago, what he said, what they had to expand the locker room, we need to make a decision and move, um, seems really practical. And it's just something that, you know, is is something that hopefully the club are listening to and part of the changes they have to make. The squad is way too big and surely these candidates are going to be coming with some ideas about how to resolve that or is that totally the sporting directors handling that decision? No, no. If we focus in on... on I'm going to just say Pochettino. Look, this might bite me sure. in the neck in terms of the candidates, but I'm, I'm fully of the belief that Pochettino is going to be the next Chelsea head coach at the moment. So I'm just going to say Pochettino. It's easier. Pochettino want a smaller squad. And that that will be, I don't think it even needs to be a condition of his employment because that's what the club are planning to do in any case. But he he will fully support and back that. He will want that. Um, I mean, on the on the website, it's about a 31-man squad, but then you have to factor in the fact that Nkuku and, and, and Gusto are definitely coming in, which takes it up to 33. So you, you probably need to lose six to eight players at least this, this summer. I mean, they can do that easily should they want to in terms of a couple of them who are in on loan obviously Joe Felix and Zachariah um but yeah I actually think to Pochettino knowing how Pochettino works very well to Pochettino the outgoings will be this summer way more important than the incomings I don't think he'll demand an awful lot incoming wise but the outgoings will be hugely important to him that makes a lot of sense okay so if we narrow in on Poch uh, as much as I try to not you know commit but okay let, let's focus in here as we've talked about, Chelsea have had Tuchel, we've had Potter, we had, you know, interim technically Bruno, now Lampard. Are we really going to announce another one? Would he come in this season? Are they going to Lampard finish the season? Any idea on this timing? Because it's just a lot to take. Yeah, I, I think they will announce fairly soon. I, I couldn't say it's definitely the next few days. I couldn't, I would expect it to be this week, but I can't say that for sure either. Um, but I think they will announce soon. Interesting, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're talking to him about trying to 
take a game or two this season, but I don't see an upside for him on that at all. I would be very surprised if he were to agree on that, just because the squad are in a difficult place, the mentality's in a difficult place, the squad's too big at the moment. What good would it do for him to manage a couple of games and Chelsea potentially to lose both of those games? It wouldn't do any. It wouldn't do the club any good. It wouldn't do him any good. I don't see the upside in that. I hope. I hope he's just announced swiftly and that he takes it on from the moment the season finishes. And let's face it, we all know that in the meantime, he'll be doing plenty of work. He'll be talking to all the sports and directors. He'll be talking to the owners, probably even talk to Frank. He might even talk to some of the players. He would have a nice long run-up to that pre-season, to that summer. And I hope that's the way it gets done, but I don't know for sure it will be. Bienvenido, Maurizio. Welcome to Chelsea. Yeah, I agree. Like, do not need to force this uh, before the end of the season as far as, like, him being in the dugout. Frank's already there. Like, you're not going to get anything, you know. At that point, just say, hey, step back. Work on the high-level stuff. Maybe he's working with the sporting directors, talking about the squad opportunities, kind of getting up to speed on what is going around there. Um, but you'd also have to say this is what a month long process, exhaustive, detailed, like, is that enough time for them to really analyze or did he just kind of knock their socks off with the interview? Well, you got to remember he was the only other candidate seriously interviewed when, when Graham Potter got the job, but I mean, it, it was pretty much sewn up with Potter. Um, but they did speak to Pochettino and so there's been due diligence being done previously into Pochettino. Um, from what I understand from the first lot of talks with him last week, he's knocked their socks off with his energy. Um, I think this is a much better time for him. He hadn't that long been out of the Paris Saint-Germain job the previous time. Um, I think he has been away, got refreshed. And from also what I'm told from, from his side, um, the prospect of it is really, really exciting him. He's, he's, very, very excited about it all. So, yeah, I, I like you say, that it's not like they needed to do loads of due diligence, but I think they've had a lot of conversations with him in a short amount of time. And as I say, the energy that's coming from him, I think, is the, the real thing. And, and remember as well, this is actually a very different looking squad to the one that he would have talked about last time. I mean, such so is true. the change at Chelsea. But actually the squad now, albeit being way too big, the way the squad has developed actually suits him way more than the squad would have done before. It's a younger squad. There's people in there who I think could really benefit under him. Someone like Mudrich. Um, if you look at what he did with with Son and the sort of similarity between their qualities and things like that, I actually think squad now, what he'd be able to talk about is is more suited to him, albeit... It's far, far too big. That's a great point. Uh, we're going to take our first ad break when we're back, uh, talking about the squad and how Maritz might work with a bunch of those players and what they think. So thank you to the sponsors, and we'll be right back. When you're drafting your fantasy team, do you ever wish that you could handpick the best stars for your business team? Look, if you're building a talented roster, you need Indeed. Stop spending hours on multiple job sites finding the perfect candidate for the position because, look, Indeed has all of the tools you need in one place to hire at warp speed. Sponsor a job, and they're going to match you with the quality candidates whose resumes fit the job description that you post right away. 
helps you start hiring fast. And look, Indeed knows that you're growing your business. You have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application. Pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Matt, great point uh, about Maurizio working with players and developing them. Obviously, that's something, uh, you know, that I think is really important. I've looked at uh, a lot of um, a lot of matches and our average age is like around 24 and change, 24 years yeah. old. I mean, that is that is trending quite young, especially for a big club. And that's what Tiago Silva skewing it heavily the other way. Um, so in your piece, you even said that some of the Chelsea players would be really excited to work with Poch. Um, what's the feeling that you're getting from inside uh, the the player side of this? I guess. Yeah, look, I, I can't name names. Obviously, of course, it, it it doesn't take a genius to work out that you know there's, there's players in that squad who play at England with um, an, an awful lot of players who have worked under Pochettino and who have had their careers, let's face it, turned around and and really thrust forward by Pochettino, um, and they are very aware of of what's been said about Pochettino in the methods and, and how highly those people rate him. Uh, there's even a certain somebody from in the Chelsea squad who comes from the same country as Maurizio Pochettino. Um, and I think knows a fair bit uh, about him and, and stuff like that. So th- there's, yeah, there's an excitement there. I've got to be a bit careful what I say without revealing too much of, of where these things come from. But I mean, what I would like to sort of make the point is, is I, I always, will always look back to Pochettino's time at Tottenham because I covered it so closely. The, the, the squad, that the, the team that Pochettino built at Tottenham that was so sort of successful in quote-unquote um, in terms of having a title challenge and getting to the Champions League final, it was built around the fullbacks. At the time, Tottenham had the best fullbacks in the league, I felt, in Kyle Walker and Danny Rose, Kieran Trippier. So the main thing, the most important thing of the team, now if you look at where Chelsea's strengths lie, fullback is going to be one area. You've, you've got two of the best already in Reese James and, and Ben Chilwell. You've got Gusto coming into that. And I would actually think that Cucurella would be looking forward to working with Pochettino because I, I can see him really having a positive effect on his Chelsea career. So already that's very encouraging. Um, I've already mentioned Mudrich, who I, I I really do believe could be his kind of son figure. I know for sure, and I don't really want to talk about contract situation because I'm just a little bit bored of it and it's still nothing's really happening concrete, but I know for sure that Pochettino absolutely adores Mason Mount. Pochettino used the force the way he plays, loves his character, loves everything about him. Um, and then you've got Nkunku coming in, which I think is interesting because he's this player who can score a lot of goals without actually playing as a striker. And I, I wonder whether Nkunku could be used in a similar way to the way Deli Ali was used under uh, Pochettino when Deli Ali would play very, very close to Harry Kane and score an awful lot of goals. I do whether whether think whether that's something that, that Nkunku could be used as. And then like the, the energy of Fernandes and Kante just suit Pochettino so well. He loves that energy. The one thing... Um, I think one problem that, that Chelsea have had of late and Lampard sort of alluded to it again and he alluded to it his first t- time and we've heard it from Tuchel and we've heard it from Contes. This team sometimes doesn't just run enough and it sounds very basic. Um, 
believe me, they'll they'll run under Pochettino because he gets his teams running, 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 running like absolute machines. Yeah, that was an interesting thing that kind of came out about like the lack of fitness and Tuchel didn't bring his conditioning coach and Potter with injuries and stuff anyways. And that's kind of like becoming maybe like a developing story of like the undercurrent of maybe why the season also struggled a bit. And it's just kind of like one of those unsung heroes, apparently, within a team and, and a staff that it, that drives a lot of importance for those reasons. So um, it's been interesting hearing about that because I don't think you hear the, like a lot about that position and, and it's, uh, you know, how, how important it is to them. When it comes to also the squad overhaul, you said obviously you had to do that at Tottenham. Uh, we said this can be a really big piece here. Uh, I think that there's probably some natural you know, ends of the journey for some players, to your point, yeah. players on loan, couple players on short contracts, maybe, uh, you know, some players that were ready to go. And now Chelsea can kind of finalize on that. Um, I guess back four, back three system wise, do we think that leads into it? Or is it really just going to be the opportunistic ability of Chelsea to move anyone on? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be this, the case of move anyone on. I don't think I've seen Pochettino occasionally play with a back three before, but not He's a back four guy, basically. Um, but looking at the number of centre-backs and stuff, I, I don't think it all massively systems will particularly affect his decisions. He's actually not... A, if you talk to Pochettino, he will always downplay the importance of systems. He's not He's not someone who thinks a system wins games. He's basically a guy who thinks mentality wins games um, and that the mentality within the system has to be right. Um so I would be surprised if he was making decisions based on on systems. I think he'll make decisions uh, based on the players he believes are best equipped to cope with what he wants them to do. And like I say, a lot of that will be to do with uh, mind and physicality in terms of right mentality and ability to run. Yeah, I, I definitely remember that because um, he was a defensive midfielder in his career. Very scrappy, tough, like... And I think that edge and mentality is, is something that's lacked a little bit this season. And surely that's going to be one of the first things he does is drive a lot of confidence, make them hard to beat, um, and, and hopefully kind of get that edge back, don't you think? I think I think that's what – it's, it's weird, you know, because, because of the Tottenham link, it's hard to convince some people around Chelsea that he actually uh, fits what I believe Chelsea have always been strong at. Um, but I actually think that Chelsea fans, as long as it, it starts well, will, will absolutely grow to love him because he is, he's a fighter. I mean, and he's a bit of a street fighter as well. He, you know, his, his background in Argentina is a street fighting background. His, his playing style, as you said, was a street fighting player and his management style has that street fighter in him. And he likes his teams to, to have that in them as well. He used to love the fact that Deli Ali used to get himself into trouble at, at, at Tottenham. He used to talk about the fact that he thought Deli Alli had to be on the edge to be at his best, and he would actually almost encourage it sometimes. And I think Chelsea fans will love that about him. He's got a similar sort of characteristic trait to Diego Simeone in that. he's He's got traits of Jose in him. He, I mean, he, he's not the same type of manager, but he has got traits of Jose's fighting spirit in him and ability to carry people with that us against them mentality a little bit well uh, a lot to kind of piece and, and just kind of take in especially as we like look over just the different stuff um is it fair to assume that he's i mean look psg was a rough rough run for him 
right? It seems like he's had enough time to really kind of like decompress, let that go behind him, come back refreshed, like you said, with new ideas and things. But yeah, he got chewed up at PSG, unfortunately. It seemed like even when things went well, he was kind of getting the raw end of the stick there. Same as everyone. Same as Tuchel, same as Ancelotti, same as a certain Unai Emery, who I'm currently in love with. It's uh, it's a running theme. I mean, you, you have to say that it's a running theme that managers get, as you, in your words, which are good words, chewed up at, at Paris Saint-Germain despite winning things and yet come out the other end and tend to go on and do very well. Again, Ancelotti, Unai Emery won the Europa League with Villarreal, now doing great things in my club. Obviously, everyone knows what, what happened with Thomas. I, I do think you have to take that into account uh, when assessing managers who have gone through PSG. Um, when he won the league, I think the year he won the league with them, they won it by 15 points. I think that was more than any other uh, team in a major European league at the time. People will always criticise the standard of the French league, but still winning it by 15 points is a hell of a long way to do it by. Um, I think his home record at PSG in that season was absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, but they they clearly have difficulties. I, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to talk to ex-PSG managers uh, about what it's like to manage PSG before. And some of the stories I've heard have been, quite frankly, astonishing. I probably couldn't really repeat them on here, but believe me, there's a lot going on in that football club. I think it's easy to see that from the outside looking in, uh, without a doubt. And how well Tuchel kind of rebounded for that when he came to Chelsea. Um, yeah, I feel like those managers are probably a lot more willing to play ball in certain things because they're just happy to be in a in a safer place. I was going to say, I mean, obviously, people are looking at the Chelsea ownership quite hard at the moment. and the That's fact where it's that going to go. Yeah. Yeah. The, the fact they've been quite hands on. You know, I wrote the story last week that they'd gone into the dressing room and, and Todd had used the word embarrassing and, and things like that. And they're getting a lot of sort of criticism and people are looking at the way they operate. But Pochettino has worked under Daniel Levy and he's worked under the PSG ownership. I'm pretty sure Todd Burley and Badad Bali are going to seem like pussycats to, to Maurizio Pochettino. I mean, he he is the longest serving manager under Daniel Levy by some considerable distance. And the way he managed that relationship was far more skillful than any other manager or head coach has managed to do under, under Levy. So he is good at managing upwards. He is good at it. And I would say that the past two ownerships he's worked for will have been a lot tougher than than what's to come as long as you know barring any hitches and he, he does take over at Chelsea safe to assume that the long-term vision is still firmly planted in this uh club's idea and that Pochettino fits into that oh 100 100 percent. I mean his um like I say if you everything he did at Tottenham was long term you know he that he stayed there long term his decisions around the squad and players were always long term he used the academy more than any other Tottenham manager before or since. I think um, he he will he will definitely fit into their their long term plan for sure. That's not to say. I mean, so the problem so far has been is that on on one hand they've done an awful lot of long term, and yet there's been a lot of short term decisions that needs to meet in the middle somewhere now when they get this next appointment, and that needs to meet whereby more care is taken over the short term but less decisions are made for the short term and fit in with the long-term brief and and that's where things probably need to change a little bit once this appointment's 
sorted out. Absolutely. All right. One more follow-up when we get back. We're going to take our last break from the sponsors. Again, thanks for them for financially supporting the show. And we'll be right back. Bet you didn't see this coming. Hope you're ready to hear editor Jake's voice for a while in the ads. <laughs> this time we're coming with Shady Rays. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and more. Shady Rays is a world-class sunglasses company independently built that'll have you thinking you're wearing some of the world's top brands that you already know with durable frames and extremely clear optics. Not only clear optics, but clear ethics as well, having donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Something that we have done at London's Blue Podcast. So and if you're worried you won't like your pair, they will exchange it. They'll give you a new pair or you can return them for free within 30 days. And if you're worried you might break them, Thanks to Lost and Broken Replacements, you can get a replacement pair, no questions asked, anytime. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out the best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code LONDONISBLUE, all one word, all caps, for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's right, LONDONISBLUE, all caps, spelled just like the podcast, you know, the podcast you're listening to right now. You can see it in the title. All caps, one word, 50% off, two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try it out for yourself. The shade's rated five stars by over 200,000 people. Right. So, Bully, Bali, they're figuring it out. Uh, they got this new new team in the background with, with Potch. The situation of next season is, I think it's fair to say, no European football. Less games, huge squad. Um, we remember that when Antonio Conte came in and he only had to play one game a week, we all remember the Arsenal switch at halftime. And, you know, I think he, he played the smallest squad the rest of the season, the way out. Um, yeah. we've got all these young players and, and just less opportunities. It, it's a double-edged sword, right? Like on the one hand, it's positive because you get to work with players, less injuries, less fatigue, but at the same time, less opportunities maybe for, for a squad to get involved and get minutes. How do you think he's going to balance that next season it's a difficult balance it is a difficult balance and that that will have to be taken into account for sure when they plan the squad and and the clear out and the loans and all that kind of thing for, for next season it, it's going to be a tricky balance I mean remember they there are the cup competitions and they they do have the freedom to go further in those cup competitions than this season should they wish um drew city twice and- <laughs> what, like, what are the odds of that yeah um but that would obviously be beneficial from that point of view. But he will, he will use, he will use a squad. Um, he's he's very. I remember he would very rarely get caught into talking about um, a starting eleven, a best eleven, a best player, a, a few best players. Always the group, always the family, as he would put it. Um, and I do think even without European football, he will he will make sure that a squad is used and that people can minutes. But without European football, there's only so many players you can use and that's going to have to be taken account. But players are going to have to understand that as well. I mean, at the end of the day, they're at Chelsea Football Club. They're going to have to compete for places. Players can't be guaranteed minutes at Chelsea Football Club, otherwise something's gone wrong. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Uh, and, and you'd hope that we could go a lot further in cup competitions and things. But I just think of the likes of like a Levi Colwell you know, what What does he do at the end of the season? Some of the other, you know, lone players, uh, Romelu Lukaku, any idea where the stance on that player is? Heavy wages, 
might have a great end of the season with Inter Milan. Do they want to pick him up? Do they keep him? I mean, like like you're saying, there's still some really big decisions to be made with this club. There's some huge issues. I mean, I, I would imagine Levi. Well, the club have said that Levi are going to come is going to come back and be part of the squad. They've already made that clear. Um, I think he'll get a good a good opportunity under Pochettino. Actually, I can see him getting a good opportunity. Um, yeah, but people are going to have to compete. This is what being at a big club's all about. I mean, a lot of these young players who are at a big club for the first time are going to have to learn that. They're going to have to find that out now, that being at a big club is about competing and not being guaranteed minutes and not being guaranteed starts and stuff like that. And that's just going to be the reality. And that's, that's what they need to learn. Big preseason, obviously coming back to the States. Uh, they're going to have some games. I, I'm just interested to see how many cuts or changes are made before it they get stateside right you think of players even like Callum Hudson Odoi's had a largely un, you know largely forgettable loan does he come back like i said the lukaku's these things cuz remember last summer they wouldn't do anything until they got lukaku sorted and moved out of the squad and then they went to play ball it's just with like you said i'm just really really interested to see how again another season of summer of transition here in the states goes they clearly have learned some lessons they're going to stay on the east coast i think the miles are a quarter of what they were before um so i just there's just a lot for him i'm sure he's excited i'm sure he's refreshed and energized but it's just like i think the more we kind of step back and realize there actually is a lot more to do rather than just show up with a squad of 30 like (laughs) there's a lot to to get to that point i think it's easier said than done but i think they will try very hard to get as much of the clear out as they can of the way before the preseason tour, I think there's certainly a recognition that uh, the sort of the way the squad was handled with the preseason tour last year wasn't good. You know, a huge number went, some ended up getting cut from that. It, it was really messy. So I, I think they they want to go to preseason with the squad in good shape. They, they won't realistically they won't be able to do everything before then, but they will try to do as much as possible. And like I say, it's easier said than done. I also would hope um, that if he wants to, that Pochettino would be allowed to make some big decisions on that squad. I mean, the simple the simple solution is, is don't don't take them all. And that will be harsh on some players maybe, but don't take them all. You know, take a smaller squad and players who clearly are part of the clear out or, or don't really have a future don't need to go. I mean, Conte did that with Tottenham last season. Now, I know, obviously, Tottenham have had just as chaotic seasons as Chelsea this season, but he was right to leave people at home. I've often thought that maybe one area that Potter could have done something differently on was once he had this weird situation with the Champions League squad and the Premier League squad and everything and the, the huge squad, was to actually, in training, just take the Champions League squad plus Badia Chile and they were the squad he was going to chain with and everyone else had to change somewhere else. And he could have said to them, guys, this is the situation we find ourselves in, the situation I've found myself in. That's one thing I maybe think that he could have done differently. And if in pre-season the squad's too big, I think that's what needs tough decisions just need to be taken and there needs to be a first-team squad. Oh, yeah. I mean, we all remember uh, Bestuai playing a lot of minutes. We all remember Kennedy playing a lot of minutes, even out of position. Um, At least the plane will force them to reduce the number of players <laughs> they just quite literally can't take everybody uh yeah. but yeah i mean it, it, it is going to be another kind of reset this summer um and chelsea bounce back you know i just I, i'm still trying to figure out if it's a blessing or a curse that one game a week 
I know it can be, but if it doesn't go well and you don't have big games to rally the squad and like, you know, kind of get that boost from, uh, it can be hard. So I was talking to some of our, one of our chats, I think with Ollie, and we we're talking about how this next manager needs to have that experience because they're going to have to keep the squad engaged for five days a week, yeah. six days a week versus, you know, the, Hey, another game, uh, recovery today, film, do light work and then match 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 and i think that's going to be a big change to this job too and it seems like that is something that pochettino has done a good job of keeping spirits high keeping players engaged uh being able to find enough stuff to do during the week to to improve the players yeah for sure for sure and you're right that will be that'll be different for a lot of those players a lot of those players won't be used to it themselves even um but that's that's just where they are now i i I never think it's a. I know it's a, it's quite a fun debate, but I never think it's a good thing when a club like Chelsea aren't in European competition. I, I can't really see an argument why it would ever be a positive thing for them. But that's just where they are, and they've, yeah. they've got to manage that the best they can and, and deal with that the best they can. Um, and yeah, make sure it doesn't happen again. Basically, hmm. yeah. What about us, uh, staff wise? One of the things I was a little confused about with with Graham Potter coming in is, you know, they brought in like a goalkeeper coach and a couple other staff when like we have Enrique Lario already here. There was some like duplication of of roles and things like that, which you know is a little bit weird. Um, any idea if we're going to hit reset? You know, Ashley Cole got brought back with Lampard and some of those players. I think the way he was livening up those fullbacks before the Champions League game. I think a lot of fans are like, we want Ashley in this in this next coaching staff because he gets it. Any idea what that coaching staff, backroom staff might look like? Yeah, it'll look the same as his Tottenham and PSG backroom staffs. Uh, Pochettino has a has a staff and they, they work for him and they don't work for anyone else. Um, and when he works, they work. And when he doesn't work, they don't work. So he has uh, a guy called Jesus Perez, who is a little bit like his kind of assistant manager, but he also does a lot in terms around the conditioning and fitness and things like that. Very, very highly rated. Um, he has a goalkeeper coach who will definitely come in with him. He will absolutely demand that. So I, I do wonder whether Ben Roberts will end up moving on at the end of the season when Graham Potter gets another job, which he will do because he's very much a, a Potter guy. And I wouldn't really see why he would hang around under... Pochettino's number one goalkeeping coach. And he also has a first team coach. There are also other staff that Pochettino likes to work with, and it'll be interesting to see how many of them. But there's at least there's at least four who will be sorry, at least three. Yeah, at least three and four, including himself, who will be non-negotiable to him. Um I've got to say, I'd be surprised if any of the guys who've come back in with Frank hang around. I, I, I don't really see it. I know that it would be popular with, with some fans, but I I just don't really see it realistically. I, it will be Pochettino's staff. And so there'll be another staff overall. And that's another point. You know, apart from the fact they need to stop hiring and fire managers, um, they can't just keep the whole staff as well. These days, when you appoint a manager, everyone comes with their own staff. You know, who'd have thought in the in the past that you know a caretaker manager brings in his own staff, and and here we are with Frank, who's who's brought in his own staff. So, yeah, that that's another aspect of it. <laughs> yeah, Frank's staff still haven't been announced. That's just weird. I think it obviously is is the fact that some of Graham's staff are are still on the payroll, shall we say, and and therefore there's probably uh, legal issues around announcements. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's just all a bit of an interesting end to the season. And I'd expect Potch to bring in his people. Uh, we talked about, um, you know, when Potter came in, he got an incredible amount of of people that kind of came in with him. Um, do you think that Potch, um, is he a data, data guy, money ball approach? Any idea? I don't think... I think uh, I just spoke about Jesus Perez then. I think someone like Jesus Perez, his his sort of assistant, is is probably more a guy who looks at the data, certainly in, in terms of player fitness and conditioning. And I think Pochettino looks at data probably with him on conditioning. I don't think he's a big data guy. He's he's actually, in some respects, he's quite old school. He's a he's a He's a real one for mentality and feel of people. He talks about this. So I, I retweeted a piece I wrote a few years ago when I was saying that he should have got the man new job. He believes in something called Universa Energia, which is a universal energy. Um, and it sounds mad, and I, I can't really adequately do it justice by trying to explain it very quickly now. But it's it's in a piece I retweeted about him and Manchester United that goes through some of the theory behind it. But it's basically a feel and a positivity that he likes to see off people. He very much judges people, not just on, on what they produce in terms of a quantifiable output, um, which would obviously be in data, but very much in, in the feel he gets from them and the mentality he sees with them. And, and in that way, in terms of his man management, he's, he's probably a little bit more old school than these guys now who are, who are very, very, very data driven, but certainly has used, um, on the conditioning side, we'll, we'll look heavily at data from that point of view. Well, I mean, obviously, it'll be kind of interesting to see all these different pieces pull together. I'm sure they're kind of talking through how things are set up and how they'd operate, which is good. But um, it's been interesting to learn a lot. I think a lot of uh, people, including our, our our man, Sam, CFC Central, can stop looking at uh, videos from other managers. He, like, spent all this time on Luis Enrique, Matt, and then he dropped out. And he spent all this time on Nagelsmann, and he dropped out. So I think Sam's ready for a break. We I'm not being funny, but that, that's that's just the way of the world. I mean, we yeah, we is. as journalists end up doing that because you have to be you have to be prepared for that day where the announcement drops and all of a sudden everybody wants a lot of information and a lot of content. So you you do end up researching, and I've done it myself. You you end up wasting a lot of time researching people who you may never get to write a word about, to be quite honest with you. But that that's. That's the nature of the job. But yeah, I, I feel like it's it's really, as I said, barring some sort of disaster, I feel like it has now really narrowed down to, to Pochettino. Um, yeah. And I, I don't really think that the other names that we currently have around are, are realistic. Uh, I think something would have had to have gone badly wrong for one of them to actually end up being offered the job this time around. Although I do think it's quite interesting that maybe relationships have been built for one day in the future that may never arrive, but arrive. But clubs do that all the time. Clubs do that all the time. Michael Emanalo, when he was at Chelsea, used to constantly meet managers, not because he was going behind managers, back, not because he was uh, um, doing anything, you know, about in terms of trying to replace managers, but he would see it as due diligence. He would meet managers all the time to inform him of who the people were he wanted to keep an eye on, who the people were he felt were bright, because you never know when that day is coming where you have to suddenly look at the market again. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see what has to come. I have to ask one contract update, Matt. You've teased it before. Angola Conte, signed, sealed, delivered. Can I sleep easy? 
got a bit quiet, hasn't it? Oh, I, fr- I, I regret <laughs> asking. I regret asking. I thought um, I'd give a layup and we'd all end on a big positive Conte note. But all right, stay tuned. I, huh? I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. I I had a more I had more confidence a couple of weeks ago, and not that's not because I've heard anything bad. I want it out there. I have not heard any contradictory information that's gone bad. And I did notice um, there was a report out of France recently, which really did speak to the fact that the expectation remains that it is it is pretty much there, and and he will be confirmed as signing. But I just wish it hadn't gone this quiet because I would like to see that over the line too. All right. Well, anyways, on that note, Chelsea fans, we're going to wrap Matt, though. We really appreciate all the Potch uh, background knowledge you can give. Uh, maybe you can dust off some of those drafts and just uh, change Spurs to Chelsea and and, and get some <laughs> of those articles out from the past. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to actually, I'm, I've actually, I'm going to reread, I would, I'm going to reread his, do you remember he did the Tottenham book? He did a mm. Tottenham book about um, how he managed Tottenham, and I've I've got that somewhere, and I'm going to dust it down and give it another read because uh, I, I remember it was very very interesting into his methods. Oh, I like it. All right, well we'll we'll find it and figure it out as well. But appreciate you, Matt. I'm turning on the notification. Sounds like a big week. I don't want to miss anything. So uh, link in the description. Follow Matt on Twitter. Obviously, all of his articles online as well. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back with more content later this week, Chelsea fans. So until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.